Greetings and welcome to The House Podcast. My name is Michael and I'm so glad that you're here listening with us. The House Podcast shares the message each week from our local gathering in Central Ohio, which is a gathering of those practicing or interested in practicing the way of Jesus together in our city. In addition to the message given each week by the speaker, we also occasionally will share bonus content, such as interviews with speakers, more in-depth discussion around certain topics, and practical exercises that can help you grow as an apprentice of Jesus. The House Podcast is part of the VIA Podcast Network, which is a larger network of podcasts, all designed to help you and your community live out the way of Jesus in your context. For more information about The House or VIA, you can find us at theviacollective.com. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at thehouse.gathering. If you would like to contribute to The House financially, you can also do that at theviacollective.com. We're so glad you're here with us today, and may you be blessed by this week's message. Amen. Hello. Good evening. <clears throat> so, like Michael said, my name's Dan Pound. Thank you, everyone, for coming. And uh, thank you for being here tonight. We are in the middle of a series called Silence and Solitude. If you happen to come uh, three or four weeks ago when I spoke last, uh, I spoke on the idea of identity. And towards the end, Michael and I um, introduced this series, Silence and Solitude, and I kind of let it slip under my breath uh, that this is not something that I really enjoy um, doing or am good at when you think about, you know, the practices of Jesus. And it's not that I don't mind being alone. I can be alone, and that's fine. Um, But I totally struggle with the idea of silence. And if you know me at all, (laughs) that probably doesn't come as much of a surprise to you. Uh, I even mentioned to my wife this morning uh, when we were getting ready for church that um, if she wanted to pray for me today, that that would be great because I'm speaking tonight on a subject that I don't have very much experience with. And she said, really? What's that? And I said, silence and solitude. And she spit her drink out all over the mirror laughing. Uh, So I've not spent very much time in my life Uh, praying over or thinking about uh, why it is that I struggle uh, with the idea of silence or just being silent with God. Uh, And Michael spoke last week and sort of, we've sort of been framing this um, series around the idea that you have to prepare yourself physically. And and then tonight I'll be speaking on how you prepare yourself mentally um, or emotionally or spiritually. And while Michael was speaking last week, he, he made the point that, um, you know, we, we're all, we all have some baggage or, or we're all struggling with something, this or that, whether it's big or small, we're facing some things. And consciously or unconsciously, we continually choose to either run towards distraction or run, to, run towards God. And it, it hit me and it occurred to me uh, that in my life, while I feel like I have a, a good relationship with the Lord, a growing relationship, it, it's pretty common that with some situations, some of my baggage, I continually choose distraction. And instead of facing the question of why, why do I not allow myself to get silent with the Lord? Why do I not um, allow there to be very much silence in my life? Instead of facing that, and, and praying over that, I realized I am guilty 
of continually choosing distraction. And so I'm, if that's you, I'm right there with you. I don't want you to feel like, uh, you know, I'm a professional up here and I've mastered it because <laughs> uh, I'm walking right through all of this with you definitely. So uh, like I said, we're, we've got this idea of silence and solitude framed up with the idea that you have to prepare yourself physically first. And then once your body is prepared and you're ready, the next step is to prepare yourself mentally or spiritually. And the way that you start that process is by emptying yourself before God. And we, we can't allow God to fill us until we're empty. And so uh, I, I'm a little sad to say I, in my own life, can only think of four times that I truly have gone through silence and solitude with the Lord, um, not even necessarily purposeful, and I want to share these experiences with you, and they, uh, we're going to talk about through some Bible verses, and um, the way that I approached emptying myself before the Lord, I think is a way that all of you will be able to relate to in some way, shape, or form. And so there's four or five points I want to make. And number one is the idea of pouring out your heart. And a way that you can empty your mind, empty your soul before the Lord so that he can fill you is to pour out your heart before God. And uh, Psalm 62.8 talks about this idea. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Now, the way that I picture this, has anyone ever heard uh, the phrase word salad? It's kind of, kind of like, it's a psychology term. It's kind of a rare phrase, word salad. Basically, what that means is uh, if you were going to try out word salad or that practice, then you just start letting words go. They don't have to be related to each other. They don't have to make sense together. You just allow yourself to either start saying or start writing words. And just whatever comes is what comes. And it doesn't usually make very much sense. For me, the idea of pouring out your heart to God could be along that idea of word salad, where you are just, whatever thoughts are coming into your mind, whatever you want to say, you are just pouring it out to God. Whatever you're going through, whatever he's putting on your heart, you just open it up, open yourself up, and you say it, and you speak it. And for me, the very first time that I ever experienced God's presence, I was in seventh grade, not too long ago, and... I was on a youth retreat, and it's the first youth retreat that I was able to go on the way that our church designed them, you know, not too long ago. <clears throat> and it was probably the third day, and it was the evening session, and we had done some worship, and my dad actually had spoken, and I don't remember what he spoke about, but I know the worship was really good. And then we were finishing with like a six or seven song set, and it was maybe song number three. And I just, I started to feel God's presence all around me. And I had never felt that before. And I didn't, I couldn't have told you in that moment what was happening, but I knew that I didn't want it to stop. And I felt compelled to go forward and kneel. And it was like word salad, just all over, just pouring my heart out to God. And for me in that moment, as a seventh grader, what I first started to do was just expressing praise. And there was worship happening, and there was songs happening that I could hear, and people around me were, were worshiping God, 
But what I was doing was a little bit different. The way that I was emptying myself before the Lord, I was praising him and I was exalting him. And as I started to run out of what I felt like I knew in my seventh grade mind to say, I didn't want the experience to stop because I I was experiencing his presence. And so then I just started giving thanks. And I think probably as Christians, uh, as followers of Jesus, we can all identify with the idea of, you know, exonerating the Lord, exalting him, giving him praise, giving thanks. That maybe even is something that all of you have done once or twice or even maybe a ton of times. It's obvious, it feels good, and it's something we know the Bible tells us to do this, and it can even come somewhat naturally to us. And so it's easy to identify with this. And again, for me, in that seventh grade mind, I didn't have a whole lot of things I even knew to say. I started to run out of ways to thank God and and say thank you for this, but I didn't want to leave that moment, right? And the worship songs finished, and I could tell people started to leave, but I didn't want to leave, and I couldn't, and I just stayed, and in that moment, that for me for sure was the first time in my life that I began to be silent and in solitude with the Lord, and I was so filled with his presence. I became emotional, and I was weeping, and I didn't understand that because that was the first time ever, like my face was covered in snot, and like it was messy, and it was gross, but it didn't matter because I was just me and the Lord. And he, in that moment, he completely filled me with his presence. And what I felt was just love, just the love of God. But had I not emptied myself before him in this way, praise and thanksgiving, there may not have been space for him to wash over me with love the way that he did. Now, number two, number one, pouring out your heart. Number two, Stating a need or a desire. So, uh, <clears throat> Matthew 7, 7. This is Jesus speaking. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. That's a pretty incredible promise from the King of Kings. Am I right? Again, later in Matthew 21, 22, he says, And whatever you ask in prayer you will receive if you have faith. And what Jesus is really saying here, in my opinion, is I have access to the kingdom. Through me, you have access to the kingdom. It's all available to you if you ask it. You have to ask it and have faith. And he's saying, state your desires. God knows, right? God knows what we want. He knows what we need. But here, Jesus is saying, ask it. And so another way that you can prepare yourself for silence and solitude to empty your heart, empty your mind, is by stating some things that you need. So we're going to fast forward from seventh grade and whatever year that was to 2013. So I'm a full-grown adult at this point, married with kids, big stuff. And I shared the last time I spoke, 2012 was a big year for me spiritually, started to experience a lot of miracles Uh, in my life and in the lives of people around me and see God work in amazing ways. And at the beginning of 2013, I went on a mission trip to the Philippines. And when our church goes on a mission trip to the Philippines, there's usually 40 or 50 people that go. Once we get there, uh, we typically go to the same place. It's called uh, the Garden, the Island 
garden city of Samal. S-A-M-A-A-L. Yes, excellent. And then we split up into smaller groups, and maybe nine or ten people. And we go to specific parts, and during the day, we go to some smaller villages, and we knock on doors, and we witness to people, and we love on people, and we pray for people, and then we invite them to what we would call, or they would call, a crusade that evening. And then towards the end of our trip, which is about a 10-day trip, we do a larger crusade where we invite multiple people. Our teams come back together. All the different people we've met come back together, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty large gathering. It's pretty fantastic. So that's where I was. 2013, the final night, the final crusade. We're on a basketball court. Basketball is pretty important to most Filipinos. Most villages will have some kind of basketball court. So we're there on a cement court outside, and we're worshiping, and we're, we've entered the ministry time where people are being healed, and people are giving their lives to the Lord, and his presence is really strong, and I step away from all of that. There's a few hundred people there for sure, and God is moving everywhere, and I step away. I step off the basketball court, and I'm kind of looking at it, and I'm just in awe of what's happening, and I'm thanking God for what I'm getting to be a part of, and it hits me really for the first time in my life that this is what I want my life to be about. At that point in my life, I still worked at Best Buy. I really liked my job. <clears throat> but in that moment, it was being, becoming known to me what I desired was to be in ministry. I respected what I had done. I enjoyed my leadership at Best Buy, but I didn't want to work there anymore. Even though I could witness to, to my, my customers and my employees and those people, I wanted to move into ministry all the time. I didn't know how to do that. And I left everything behind. I left the basketball court, all the people, and I went into the jungle and I collapsed on the ground. And I was alone with God. Again, really, to my memory, the second time in my life, just alone with him in the middle of the Philippines, in the middle of the jungle at about 8.30 at night. It was dusk and it was getting dark. And I just started to pour out, again, my desire to God stating what I wanted and what I needed. And I'm telling him, thank you for what you've given me and how you've provided for me, but I don't want that. This is what I want. I want to be able to go on mission trips. I want to be able to witness to people. I want to be able to lead people to you all the time, nonstop. I want to be able to focus on you 100% without the distraction of my job, of my position. And he spoke back to me. For the first time in my life, I had a conversation with God. He said, okay. In my heart and in my head, I heard him say, okay. And I'm ecstatic. And again, I start just emptying myself before God. Well, how am I going to do it? And when's it going to happen? And, and who do I talk to? And, and how do we get started? And well, how much money am I going to make? Because I, ha I have a good living and, and all the really important questions, right? And he starts firing answers back right in my face. Every single question that I asked, he's shooting answers right back to me for the first time ever. And I felt in that moment so filled with knowledge I emptied myself before God, went into silence and solitude, especially solitude, alone with him there in the jungle, and he starts showing me the plan. This is who you can talk to. This is how you get started when you get back to the States. This is what my plan for you is. This is the type of position that you're going to be in, and starts filling in all the blanks. 
And for me, I'm pretty structured. You might think that's funny if you know me. But in my mind, I'm pretty structured. I like to have a plan. I like to check off boxes. And he just starts giving me all the instructions that I needed to follow. And he filled me with knowledge. Pouring out your heart, stating a need or desire, expressing anger. Another way that it's important for us to empty ourselves before the Lord is to express our anger. Now, big picture, it might feel strange as a follower of Jesus to think that you might get angry with God. If you're really trusting him and you're really putting faith in God, even if he's doing things you don't understand or he's not doing things you think he should, it doesn't really make much sense to get angry with God. But we do. There are times where we get angry, we get frustrated. I know I do. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you do. But no matter what, it's important that we express that anger towards God to him, that we voice it, that we face it. When we're feeling angry, when we're feeling frustrated or confused, we don't want to run to distraction. We want to run to God and give it to God. Empty ourselves. David was a man after God's own heart. This is from Psalm 42, 9 through 10, and this is in David's words. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? David is, it's poetic, right? But David's saying, basically, God, I'm angry with you. You're you're ignoring me. I don't know where you are. I don't hear your voice. You've been so absent. Even my enemies recognize it. Even they detect your absence. And they taunt me. They make fun of me. And so David's feeling angry, and he's expressing that to God. And later that year, in 2013, probably was the first time in my life that I felt legitimately angry and frustrated. Five years earlier, in 2008, my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And over the course of the five years, that disease ate away at his brain, and ate away at his body, and we saw a clear deterioration. And again, in 2012, I'm experiencing miracles before my eyes. I'm seeing people healed. I'm seeing eyes that are blind opened, ears that are deaf opened, amazing miracles of biblical proportion. And while looking back, I can see small breakthroughs with my dad when we prayed for him. But we never, ever got the miracle, the healing for my father that we wanted even though we prayed consistently all through all five years, and especially through 2012 and into 2013. The last year of his life was especially hard. My father was a veteran, and um, for about the last six months, he was checked into um, a a pretty nice uh, VA hospice-style facility uh, way out um, kind of in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. Um, It was a really pretty area. There was some nice land. They had a lot of little trails that went through uh, some fields and some forests. And um, it was beautiful. It was actually a place that 
that he would have really loved had he been able to enjoy it. Um, when we approached the last few days, uh, my mom called us. I've got two brothers and a sister, and she called us all, and, and we all gathered um, there at the facility. My sister came up from Alabama, and, and uh, both my brothers and I were there, and our spouses were there, and it was, it was nice. We got to all be together, support my mom, support each other, and be with my dad. And the next day, he passed away, and I left. I walked out of the room. I found a path, and I took it. I didn't know where it went or how long it was, but I took it. And I don't know how long I walked through the forest and through the fields on that property, but I was silent before God, and I was in solitude with God. And I came to a moment where I couldn't be silent anymore, and I let loose my anger, and I let loose my frustration. And just, um, <clears throat> this would have been August, so eight months before in January, I had a conversation with the Lord. And I'm expecting a conversation. And you need to answer me, and you owe it to me. And I've seen all these things, and I've done all these things. And there could have been so much glory had he been healed. Your glory. And I expressed it all, and I laid it out. I collapsed on the ground, and I was emotional. And I got nothing. I got no answers. I didn't feel like I heard God's voice. I didn't feel like I saw any visions. I got nothing. And I was silent before God. And as soon as I finished expressing myself and entered into silence, as I was emptied, he filled me with peace. I didn't get any answers like I thought I would, but he filled me with peace. And immediately I remembered through the power of the Holy Spirit, there is peace that passes understanding. And it didn't make sense to me that I would be at peace in that moment, at peace with what had happened, with what had transpired. And to this day, I have no answers, but I have the peace that he gave me in that moment. Pouring out your heart, stating a need or desire, expressing anger when you have it, and feeling sad. Feeling alone or feeling desperate. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. That word cares could be anxiety. Cast your anxiety on him. It could be worry. It could be trouble. It could be fear. Cast all your fear on him. It could be concerns. It could be problems. It could be issues. It could be whatever fits into that idea of cares. Whatever is distracting you, cast your distractions onto him. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, and 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he's saying is I can carry the burden for you. If you really give it to me, then we'll trade. And your yoke will be light. Your stress will be gone. If you're feeling alone, desperate, sad, and you can empty yourself of that before God, he will fill you up with the opposite. In 2019, uh, in February of 2019, I still worked at Best Buy. I had experienced a lot of success, which was awesome. 
and it put me in a position um, to take a new job at the very end of 2018, and it was awful. Uh, I, I prayed over it. I always prayed over it. I took the jobs I felt like God was telling me to take. I felt very confident. He said that th this is for you. I designed it for you. You should take it. And I took it, and I hated it. It was horrible. It took so much energy and took me away from my family. Uh, really, really long days. And it was awful. And there was no end in sight. And in February, after I had been in the position about five months, uh, four or five months, I was driving into work at about 5 a.m., looking at uh, probably a 14 or 15-hour day, and uh, I just broke down. And it's me and God and the road and no one else that early in the morning. And I, I, I wasn't feeling angry. I was just feeling desperate. And I emptied myself again to God. Why did you tell me to take this position? I thought that this would be something that would be great, another stepping stone, but I hate this. I loved my old position. It was fantastic. I was so good at it. This is awful. Why did you put me in this position? And at the more that I emptied myself and expressed my despair, he started to fill me up. He started to answer my questions. Again, just like in 2013. And he painted a picture of hope. He didn't give me the step-by-steps like he did in 2013, but he made it clear that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that that light was coming so soon, so soon. And it, it was incredible because as I emptied myself, he filled me that time, he filled me with hope. And in July of 2019, I was able to leave Best Buy. They paid me to leave six-month salary, and I took a full-time ministry position. And so the promise that he made to me in 2013 came to fruition in 2019, which is a huge, huge praise. But had I not emptied myself, had I not faced that despair, that sadness in that moment, I wouldn't have been filled with the hope of what was to come. <clears throat> Pouring out your heart, stating a need or desire, expressing anger, feeling sad, alone, or desperate. The big picture here, no matter, no matter how it is you're expressing yourself, no matter how it is you're emptying yourself, you don't have to do it in this order. It's not a formula. It doesn't have to be these things every time. It doesn't have to be these things together. It can be independent however you need it. What we're doing is letting go. We're letting go. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Now the Hebrew translation of that phrase, be still, actually means let go. And when you think about the American mentality, I'm going to get this done and we're going to achieve and I'm going to make this list and we're going to work harder than everybody else and I'm going to knock this out and my weekend is for house projects and my week is work and I'm going to get this side job and we're going to do all this amazing stuff and on and on and on and on and on. The idea of being still is difficult. But this verse to recognize that God has you, that God can do it, that it's his plan, not your plan. The idea of being still and allowing him to take over 
to actually truly let go so that he can take control comes through that process of first getting ready physically, getting your body ready like Michael talked about, then emptying your mind, emptying your spirit so that God can fill you up. Tom, Pastor Tom's going to talk about that portion next week, what you do when you're being filled, what you do when you're hearing his voice, uh, how, to, how to tell if it is God that you're hearing that's filling you, and he'll move into some of that next week. Again, thank you so much for being here. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Jesus, so much. I thank you, Lord, for the honor, for the privilege to get to stand here and just speak and share share my failures, God, and your successes. I thank you, Jesus. You never, ever fail to meet us right where we are. Whether we're praising you or we're angry with you or we're desperate, you always meet us where we are. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Just release your power and your kingdom over this room tonight. Holy Spirit, come and have your way with us. We give you our hearts and our eyes and our ears. We give you this space and this time to teach us and impact us however you want. Thank you, thank you, Jesus.